everyone. Welcome to the Man in the Black Suit podcast and welcome Effie. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. We are so happy to have you, Effie. Thank you, Leslie. Congratulations on your latest release. Thanks. And, And we're happy to have so many people joining us in the chat room today. Lori, hello, Lori. Hello, Jean Ann. Hello, Betty. Yeah. So good to see you, ladies. We were, it's going to be a good day. So Effie uh, wrote a, a beautiful book, which I'm still reading. Sorry, Effie. That's okay. It's been a crazy time. It is. Everybody's a little distracted right now. A little bit. A little bit. So Effie's book is Love is What You Bake of It. And I'm really, what I'm, how far I've gotten, I'm really enjoying and I'm, I'm more interested in seeing what's going on with Max now. So <laughs> that's about Yes. It. Yes. So We're going to delve. Oh, and we have Lauren joining us as well. Hello, Hi, Lauren. Lauren. From Good to see you from Pittsburgh, PA, mm-hmm. uh, joining us this morning. Uh, what I think we're going to do is share a little bit about uh, some of the uh, latest SR news, and we're going to talk to Effie. I don't know, Pam, do you want to, should we start with Effie and then go into SR, or do you want to just do a little announcement? I want to news, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what we have from SR. We've got, uh, you know, just the, the series is coming out on May 29th. That is the premiere of, of the first group. And that the trailers or the teasers for, for this are both out on YouTube and under Passion Flicks. And uh, I've been adding them into our Twitter feed, and as a lot of people are, so that it, it, it's, it's hot. <laughs> Let me put it that way it's hot. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's sure hot. everybody's <laughs> seen them by now. Now, you think all the fans? I, I think the fans have probably seen it over and over yeah. and over again. <laughs> And and as Betty as Betty just said, we also have a new, new still photograph of Professor Payne yes. that Passion Flicks put out yesterday. Uh, Haviland looks so domineering and intense in that, and uh, Melanie as Julia just looks like she's been you know run into a nightmare. She has no idea what to expect with this uh, this predator in the bathroom. I know. Yeah. And Havlin, we met Havlin at the premiere, 
and Effie, you were at the premiere for Dirty Sexy Saint as well. Yes, that was really fun. It was. Oh. <laughs> that was a good movie, too. I, I actually read the book only because I knew they were making a movie. Mm -hmm. I um, hadn't read that author before. Uh, yeah. Um, but um, you know what? I definitely would read another one of her books. They were fun as well. They really were. They were a lot of fun. And actually, um, it, it really kind of dovetails nicely with um, the fact that we're talking about your newest book today because uh, both of them have an element of baking um, and the passion of being a baker in them. Um, and Dirty Sexy Saint, uh, you know, she wanted to be a pastry chef. And then in your book, you're your lead character, Callie, is indeed living her dream as a pastry chef and owner of the Coffee Clatch. So, oh, we have more joining. Hello, Monica. Good Monica morning. Good morning. Annette is in and out. <laughs> yes, Annette. Yeah, the backgrounds are back. Right. Um, she, the, the Jody Sexy, what, what was her name? I forgot. I'm so bad with names. I know, I'm trying to think of her character, because, uh, um, of course, we have, um, oh, Kincaid, uh, I want to say Casey, it's not, it's not Casey, okay, ladies, help us out, I'm going to, I'm going to Google it a while. Oh, um, my goodness, I can't believe I can't remember the name. Well, of I, I, I keep thinking of the actor's name, yeah. today, Gregory. Cupcake. Uh, I remember cupcake. cupcake. Yes, cupcake. Cupcake came from a very rich, uh, privileged family. Yes. So, uh, Callie comes from uh, clay. Uh, it's clay. Clay Kincaid. Clay and what's the girl? And the girl is. Da, 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 da. I know. Hold on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Hurry. 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 Samantha. Samantha. Yes. Right. Samantha Cupcake. Yes. Cupcake, yeah. I remembered all the other secondary characters. I cannot remember her name. Cause I think probably because I do think of her as his nickname is Cupcake for her, which is so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, Callie comes from a different family. She comes from a Greek-American immigrant family. And she's, you know, uh, I mean, they're comfortable but they're not you know well to do like her you know um samantha's family gave uh put a lot of restrictions on her and i think that's mm -hmm. maybe where callie and and that character have some similarities although the restrictions were different um, absolutely weak families can be a little stifling <laughs> oh. <laughs> you think when I first moved to New York, I dated a, uh, a Greek guy. His name was Hercules Bonzalakis, and it's a true name. And, um, I love that. That's such a great name. And I, his mother used to make the best baklava. And I would like, I, I want the recipe. I want the recipe. And she would never give it to me. Because... It's not a big deal, actually. It's like four simple ingredients. So. Oh, I know, I know. But at the time, I was like, I think I was 23 at the time. And I was like, you know, I was so impressed that this guy even let me meet his mother, to be honest with you. Um, and it was, she wouldn't give it to me at all. And she's she wouldn't give it to me because I was not Greek. 
if you were Greek, you would know how to make baklava. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just... Uh, and Betty's saying, Pam, you have the wildest stories. <laughs> another, another, another story for your book, Pam. I've, I've talked about Hercules before. <laughs> uh, I know. So I, how I just you love the name. Hercules' mother? <laughs> she thought it was very nice, but um, I wasn't right but, for her son, which was true anyway. But it was, uh, you know. <laughs> so it's funny yes. because in my first series, The Gift Saga, um, the dynamic is completely different. And in the one family, um, the the um, boy's family, the lead boy's family, all he wants, you know, the parents want him to marry Greek. They want the kids to marry Greek. And that's the whole thing. And in the girl's mm-hmm. side of the family, the family's a little, the parents are a little different. They don't push that on the kids. It's, you know, as long as they stay within their faith, that's, you know, all they really care about. But in this series, um, the father, of course, the father's like, he wants <laughs> to marry Greek, but the mother's like, don't marry anyone Greek. You're horrible. Right. <laughs> avoid, avoid the Greeks. And it's so funny. Because <laughs> there are there are definitely two very strong schools of thought in the Greek-American community, and you captured them beautifully. <laughs> you really did. I just thought it was so funny. Well, I, think I loved thing, it. With the other thing with Herc's family was that um, he had been married before. He had married a uh, Puerto Rican girl, and they had two kids, and they were still very young. So, and Herc was like, I think he was a year older than me, 24 at the time, and his oldest was four. Wow. So they got married very, very young. Yeah, of course, yeah. very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as those starter marriages do. <laughs> yes, that's my my friend refers to uh, her first husband as her starter husband. Yes. <laughs> so, like Betty's saying, I barely know how to go make mac and cheese, but I finally learned how to make hot chocolate with a bar and that instant powder. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in fact, Betty, you'd be inspired, I think, uh, reading Effie's book because she also includes recipes in the, yes. <laughs> in there. Um, which I love. And I was just curious, Effie, in general, um, could you share a little bit about um, some of your background with us? I know, um, obviously, we know you're a uh, Greek-American. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what makes Effie Effie? <laughs> I don't know what makes Effie Effie. <laughs> um, so my mom uh, came to this country not to stay. She didn't come as an immigrant. She mm-hmm. um, came to study at NYU. She wow. she stayed with her uncle, who was the was the only way that she was going to be allowed to come to this country. Mm-hmm. Stay, she wouldn't stay at a dorm or anything like that. And she um, stayed with the only uncle on her side of the family, or the only relative on her side of the family that came to this country. He lived in Union Square. Okay. Yeah. So she stayed with him. She went to NYU. The plan was as soon as she was done with college, she would go back to uh, Greece, to Athens, where she was born and raised. And she would work in my grandfather's business because she was a business administration um, uh, major. She ended up going upstate to the Catskills for a weekend with my with her uncle 
and met my dad who was taking his parents up there for a weekend to get away at a Greek resort. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Called the Spartan Manor. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And um, that's where they met. My father's side of the family is from an island um, called Mytilene. Uh, Well, it's actually Lesbos. Mytilene is the main port there. And um, you probably have heard about that recently because that's where most of the refugees have been let off. Chios, Lesbos, and Samos, I believe. That's where most of the refugees um, have been, um, you know. Uh, yeah, so. they're the easternmost islands. Yeah, they, they're like I always make a joke that if you um, throw a rock that from uh, Lesbos, it'll land in Turkey. That's how yes. close it is to Turkey. It's one of my best friend's favorite islands. She loves visiting. She's she's gone several times. She just loves the people and yeah. and the just uh, all of the experiences she's had there have been great so we're not really like a super typical greek family because my parents weren't the type of people that only had greek friends so mm-hmm. we had a lot of friends from church of course and like longtime friends and everything but we didn't have this big greek family because my mom was only had one sister and she was still in greece up until maybe she she had come here um, you know, a little later, she came with a, um, a theater troupe. Um, she was uh, like a, a repertory theater troupe that was run, going around uh, Europe and um, the United States and decided she wanted to stay. And then um, my dad had one brother who was a merchant marine, so, and he was always um, on the road um, at, at sea. So we didn't really have this big Greek family um, like most people do. Um, so we weren't really your typical, you know, and my father was a chemist. He didn't own a restaurant. His, <laughs> his, uh, his, his father owned a restaurant in New York city on 74th or 73rd street and lost it in the depression. Um, wow. and my mother's side of the family never came here. Um, you know, my grandmother would visit, get a visa, like, you know, every couple of years to visit. But, um, so we weren't like typical in that we only had Greek friends and we could only have Greek friends. And so we weren't like super typical that way. But, um, you know, my mom was an amazing cook and, um, she taught me everything I know. And, you know, she was very big on tradition and passed that on to me. And I've tried to pass that on to the kids. And it's funny, I think not until she actually... as much as I do. I, I believe that. And Beth, Beth, Effie's saying that you just have a, Betty said you just have such a fascinating story, Effie. Oh, it's you. a great. I really don't think I have a fascinating story. I think I'm just a very typical, you know, very, you know, it's I, probably every story. I think that other people have way more fascinating stories. I mean, my mom, I, my mom lived through, um, she was, you know, in uh, Germany occupy, occupied World War II oh, Athens as a kid. And, and you know, you, you know I, stories and you don't think much about them. You hold, hold these, 
you know, you don't really think much about it. And then, you know, as an adult, you were like, wow, you know, and I, that's, I incorporated some of what I learned and then uh, into like the gift saga story um, mm -hmm. from her. And then I did further research and then built other stories around that whole time period. You know, when I do kind of delve back into time, but uh, and even some of there was a little bit of a reference to more modern history of the 60s and 70s um, Athens in this current book as well. And I, I can tell you just, wow, the fact your mom was in occupied Athens is incredible. That One of the most striking images I can ever remember when I studied abroad was being at a museum and seeing a photo of the Nazi flag flying over the Acropolis. I, it, my entire body... I, I can't even describe how what a visceral reaction I had. I had never seen that image before, and it just it it just stopped my soul for a minute. I I, I can't even imagine your, what your mother went through. Well, that's all over Europe, you know. Yeah, that was every place in Europe, and it's interesting because my mother was very young, and this is one of the points that I bring out. And now we're talking really about the the first series rather than mm -hmm. the current one, but um, when you're 10 years old, you view things from a different lens than when you're 19 or 20. Right. Your parents tend to protect you. And you don't see, you see things, but you don't process it the same way that you would older. And your childhood is your childhood. And your childhood is beautiful no matter what. And she came from a privileged family, so she was somewhat protected. They never starved. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, my grandfather, he used to hide his money under, um, he used to put plants in the earth and, and mm -hmm. hide his money under there because he had people coming after him. He was buying food on the black market. He was feeding his neighbors. He was helping to pay their rents, um, you know, but they came and they, they would just come into your house and take anything they wanted from you. you know? um, there was a point my mother told me that she, he, he and my grandmother had to leave and leave them with a, another neighbor because they had to, because they were like looking for them. So, you know, there were, but she never said it with like a, I was scared. I was, you know, this was her childhood. Um, it's just different. And then when I started to research other parts of the book um, from uh, Alex's point of view, her love interest in the book, um, and he starts to tell his side of what he went through, and his family was part of a resistance that helped the Jews up in Thessaloniki, and he was a little older, and he had a family that got slaughtered because they got caught. There was a whole different perspective from his point of view. So, um, yeah, but this was this was all over Europe. I mean, you you don't think about it in Greece. You think about France and England. And right. I think because Greece is so far removed uh, in terms of in in terms of European countries, Greece is like on the the, the very tip of of Europe. Really, it's the farthest east. So I, you yeah. know, growing up as a kid, I always thought, oh, you know the most immediate countries that were affected, you know, as they were going into Poland and going into, you know, France. And, yeah. 
but yeah, but they it, were it just very right away from Italy, and we also oh, yeah. had to deal with Mussolini. Right. Yeah, it was uh, just fascinating. Yeah, my my neighbor uh, Phil, who I've talked about many times, and he's ninety six. His wife um, was from France, and she lived in France at the time. Um, her, she's a uh, she was Jewish background. I know she lost family members in in the Holocaust. And, um, she had family members that hid in parts of France that, you know, like southern France and the in the mountain areas and all so that the uh, Germans couldn't find them. So it was, a, it was a scary time. Very scary time, you know, for everybody. It was. Definitely. And I think it's in, I, I really think it's in, as as Lauren says, um, this is such a fascinating story, Effie. And, and uh, Betty says your story, your family's story is amazing. And I love how it's informed your uh, how it's informed your writing. I, I just think it's it's great that you're sharing different elements of that period of time. It'll be one little tiny thing that will spurn an idea, and then I'll just run with it and research other things that have nothing to do with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's not all like it's certainly not anything I write is not a biography. Um, probably the uh, Evanthea's Gift is probably the most personal of the books because it's. The book that I started writing after my mother, about six months after my mother passed away, and um, the character of Anna is inspired by her grace and her elegance and the way she loved her family and the way she related to everybody. And it was kind of like my tribute to her, I guess, in a way. And it was my way of writing through my grief and just channeling that. But even though there were parts of her in there and part of her story in there it's still not her story because right. it's completely most of that story is completely fiction except for certain little points and events you know that mm-hmm. might have been inspired by it but um you know even with like when i started writing um, love is what you bake of it i like the fact that this book is a lot lighter and it's um it's, I guess, on a timely basis, I think it's great that this book is a lot later because I don't think anybody needs anything super heavy right now. But I <laughs> like the idea of delving into the past and I like the idea of bringing the generations together and, and making the point that don't forget the past, don't forget your older generation. You have to remember that these people were once 20 and 30 and 40 like we were. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, look at people in nursing homes and you look at your elder relatives that are 70, 80 and 90 and you it's very easy to forget that they had adventures and lives and interests and loves and things that they wanted to do and things that they did that were probably fascinating and you forget because they're just the old person sitting in the corner. Right. I like to bring that into the story and I like I like to bring their wisdom into the story and their lessons into the story. So I wanted to do that again with this story, but the age group of the people were um, younger. Um, it was It's a little bit more of a contemporary story. So I, I was with a group of friends um, at a book club. We were um, at a friend's house and we were discussing another book um, for a book club meeting. And uh, 
a few of the people were Greek there, and I said, I, you know, I'm writing this book now, and I, I need something in this certain time period, and they, I brainstormed with them. I need an event that happened in Greece, you know, in the 60s or the 70s that I can have, because I was, I knew I wanted to build the story around the grandparents. Mm -hmm. So that's how I came up with, um, I completely, I, I always thought that, uh, the overthrowing of the government of the monarchy happened way before. I didn't realize it happened in the 60s. I didn't either. I, I, that was new. And I even had studied modern Greek history when I was studying abroad in Athens. Um, but I don't know if we went fully into that, as fully into that time period. Well, you let um, me watch the crown. I know. I still need That's to do that. No, I, I haven't watched. I, thought, the, I haven't finished the second <laughs> season yet. I haven't had a chance. I have to finish. And I think the third season's out now, but I haven't finished it. But it's interesting because I have pictures of myself in Athens as a three-year-old in the royal gardens with my mom and my grandfather. Wow. And and I'm um, I'm thinking, oh well, that must have been the king was still. There, right? And I, I did, but that was, I had to be like 1960. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I thought maybe he was already overthrown, but the gardens were still there. It never occurred to me that he was still in power at that time. So it wasn't until later, it was not until like 68, you know, around, and I'm like, right. Wow, I, I just didn't realize. So once I started doing the research on that, when my friend pointed out, oh, well, you know, my parents, you know, they were big royalists. I said, my mom and my grandparents were royalists too. But, um, and it's interesting because we're distant, re distantly related to Metaxa, who was the... Oh, the general, right? Yes, but he was with the king until he decided to turn on him and my my parents my mother said she kind of more um was in the parades with metaxa and the king and all of that when they had would have parades and 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 then i don't know i don't really know the politics well enough to know why he turned on the king or whatever the politics were but um you know my my grandparents were big loyalists and my mother was a, a loyalist royalists uh, now i'm thinking about turn um you know, so they, um, you know, I, I just, I just never realized it was, so I started researching and everything and I realized this was the sixties. So it was the perfect time. And my friend had pointed out, this was a good, you know, uh, and, and then I started researching. I didn't realize how much turbulence and, and fighting and torturing and, uh, what went on at that time in Greece. And it was like within my own time period, recent history. Yeah, it was it was stunning, and I liked the way you weaved the different time periods. I love when I love in some books where you have, you know, current day, and then you will shift to fifteen years prior, and then I I, I thought the way you um, I thought the way you wrote it and presented it sequentially was really really interesting, and I, I really. Um, do you write the, do you come up with that timeline, you know, do you come up with the regular timeline of events and then decide where you want to do flashbacks or no, how I, does I, that work? I, no, I, I, I kind of do it as I write because 
like when um even with uh Callie flashing back more recently to her relationship with Jax mm-hmm. um, something will spurn that happens with Max that she'll it'll remind her of what of that time of what well, of what she was going on with her and Jackson so it'll be like okay well this happened now am i getting into the same situation or this makes me feel this way and then i'll flash back to something that happened between her and Jackson so i feel like it's a good segue to give a little information to her relationship with Jackson and i didn't want to give all that information at one time i wanted to give it in little pieces mm-hmm. um and then with um the family i feel like
are back recording. Yay! Yes. Okay. Thanks for your patience, ladies. We're uh, take two. (laughs) Um, See, I learned that from Tasha. Yep. Uh, Being on the set, watching her work. Um, Yes, Betty says, Pam, the tech expert. Oh, yeah. Real techie. (laughs) Real techie. Well, I I, I had asked a question about um, kind of what inspired you to write this particular story, and you said you had, you know, you did have a story you wanted to share. (laughs) You know, I just, this, something happened at work a couple of years ago, and I said, I'm going to put this in the back of my head and use it as a cute meet cute, and then I'll I'll write the story from there. I say, I sometimes tiny little exchanges will just burn a, an idea, and then once I start writing, it just kind of snowballs from there. So a few years ago, a license plate had fallen. Uh, had we found a license plate in front of the store where I work? I work at an optical store in Mount Sinai, and. <laughs> My coworker found it, and she says, "I think we need to call the police on this." And I said, yeah, "Really? You guys? Probably some old license plate." And she said, "No, I think we should. Maybe it's stolen. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it fell off someone's car." So she called the police. Now, we work in a shopping center, and people are always parking illegally, and the police are always coming in. So we know all the police in our area. And, you know, we also take their insurance, so they're always coming in anyway. We, we know everybody in the area. Mm-hmm. So about an hour later, a police officer walks in. And now, we're an office of all women. The doctor, <laughs> the owner of the practice, there's only five of us. I love it. Opticians, every, we're all just women. No, no men in the store. So in walks this police officer, and <laughs> I think all of our jaws just dropped. Like, who is this guy? He was probably about six foot three, probably about 35 years old, dark hair. Like, like he was the most gorgeous person I had ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> so it's really half this incident. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh so after he left, like, the weird thing is, we never saw him before, and we never saw him again. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? So we were all talking about him, like, oh, my God, you know, where did he come from? We don't know him. And so the girl that helped them, the woman that helped them, she, she was, like, playing it cool. But when he left, she was like, oh, my God, I, like, touched him, you know? I know. Betty says he sounds just as handsome as Paul. And actually, as you were describing him, I'm thinking, hell, he sounds a lot like Julio. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, nobody's as good looking as Julio. <laughs> oh, God, he is good looking, isn't he? Yeah, he's beautiful. I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Betty says, oh, nobody took a picture of him. <laughs> no, how could you do that? I know. Please, if I, know. I could pulled out my phone, my camera, and <laughs> so I said to I said to my coworkers. Now I, I was in the middle of writing I think the third book at this point, and I said I don't know when, but I'm using this in a book one day. This is a great meet cute. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, really, and the way you the way you wrote it was just beautiful. I, I just 
I, I'm, I'm gushing so much about this book. It is so much fun to read. Um, it is a perfect lighter read for this, um, you know, these, these times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, well, and also, of course, it's set in a bakery. So what's not to love? And I love, I just, charming is one of the words that comes to mind when I've read that book. It reminds me a lot of uh, some of Nina Bachi's uh, books. In terms uh, of that wonderful small town, beautiful community, mm-hmm. um, really, really interesting, well-developed characters. I love, I loved, I love both of her books, but the second one I really enjoyed. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love. Meet me on Love so Lane. Yeah. Yes. Because my heart just went out to Henry in that book. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I I love that one. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. But it's funny because the other part of the inspiration was that I had um, taken. Um, I had. I'm laughing. Jean Ann just said we need to track down that precinct. Yes. <laughs> and not even the security oh, camera captured. It's our precinct. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think he was like he was just dropped down from heaven for like five minutes. I don't know. <laughs> He was your he was your muse. Yeah, it was just supposed to be for um you know for my inspiration. I don't know, but I had uh, originally uh, I had played with the idea of opening a place just like what what is described in um in the story, and I had gone to the library, taken a class on writing a business plan, and and I had like a notebook with ideas and menus and you know, what I wanted to do and what I wanted it to look like. And then I decided that I like baking and cooking for my friends and my family, but having to do it on a daily basis where you're pressured into producing all of this product mm-hmm. every day and then getting up at the crack of dawn was mm-hmm. not something that I wanted to do. But I kept all the notes and everything, and I decided to use it in the book. There you go. I love it. I was wondering if that was something that you had considered at one point since you have your own blog, um, Chefie's Kitchen. Kitchen. The blog Um, started because uh, people were constantly asking me for recipes, and finally I said, you know what? Instead of constantly writing them out and giving them out, I'm just going to start a blog. Yep. In fact, I'm going to copy the link of the blog into the chat room, so if anyone wants to check it out get some good Greek recipes, among other things. Yes. And I like how you've woven in your books as your, um, you know, as your writing career has evolved. You've, uh, you have uh, sections on your books as well, which I thought was really great. Yeah, I figured, I, you know, since I put recipes in the book, it was a good way to cross-promote mm-hmm. my original intention to do that. But I figured, you know, why not? I, I put the recipes in the books for two reasons. One, because I think for the non-Greek person who isn't familiar with the food, it would be a good way for them to just look at maybe the ingredients and get more of a sense of what the food is um, if they're not familiar with the food, even though so many people are familiar with Greek food because there's so many Greek restaurants now. But um, And then the other reason was I just can't help myself, you know. <laughs> now there you go. There. And why not, you know. <laughs> Just scatter them a little bit throughout the book, and then I figured since I did that in the first series, why not do that in this series? Since she's a pastry chef, and in this one, I only put 
pastry. I didn't put mm-hmm. I, I didn't put food. The other the other three books have food in them as well. And I love I actually how did you determine um, was it uh, just because you wanted to showcase some of uh, obviously like there was a reference to blueberry scones and you have the blueberry scones recipe how did you choose what recipes to include um, in the story and then to share with the um, readers um I think oh, I, I I try to do recipes that I think will be for the most part easy for people if they did want to try them mm-hmm. like that's some recipes like I noticed that great. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I will have to check have this to blog out. In there, you know, so people can um, actually want to try them. Um, like some recipes are a little bit more complicated. Like mm-hmm. I, I did, I think I might have put in one of the other books, Lacta Burtico, or maybe in this one. That one's a, actually pretty easy too, but it's, it takes a little bit more technique. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that custard based um, recipe. Yep. I've never made that actually. That's one of the one of the piece pastry the greek pastries i've not done yet but i might i might you inspired me yeah it's not that it's not that difficult i think most recipes aren't as difficult as people think and it's one of the things i point out even with pam you wanted to make baklava a lot of people are afraid to use the phyllo dough because they feel like it um it's so thin it's gonna rip they're afraid to work with the phyllo dough um, Philo is very forgiving. Even yeah, I, get, I, I don't yeah. have a pro- problem with that because I've used it on lots of different things. But one of the things I like to do with it is to wrap brie in it mm. with with some like fruit spread or so, of some sort, or or ham or prosciutto, and yeah. put it in the oven, and it oh it comes out so nice. Yeah, yeah, and I. In fact, I just, uh, I had phyllo dough in my freezer not too long ago, and I was going to bring it over to where I moved to, and my sister's like, I wouldn't do that. It's probably all dried out by now, so sadly, I have to get more. And Jean Ann was saying, yes, she does the same with the brie, and she puts apricot jam um, on the brie and wrap it in phyllo dough, and that's her thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. some people do that instead of the pastry dough, you know, with the brain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that the sounds great, Jean Ann. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming to Jean Ann's house. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Ann, it lives in the town that I grew up in. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it is a small world, isn't it? it Very. Is. So funny. <laughs> yep. So, she the school. She, she lives in Colmac, which is where I went to high school. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm looking forward to exploring Long Island. I I had shared with uh, Effie when we were prepping for the call um, that my mother, for a short period of time during her childhood, lived in Long Island in Hempstead near the near Hofstra University. And it was she had she has really, really fond memories of that period of time. And she still visualizes the house that she grew up in. So and she has not been back there for I don't know how decades, decades and decades and decades. So that's one of the things I want to try and do when we're done with uh, being in isolation. I um, hear a road trip in our future. I, I think so too. Um, and and Lauren had shared that. Uh, uh, Lauren also shared about her 
love of making brie like that as well. Mm-hmm. Now she wishes she had someone hand to make today. I know I'm getting hungry <laughs> as we're talking about all these lovely recipes because there's blueberry scones in there and the um, pistachio uh, madeleines. Oh my so gosh. That's funny because, you know, Greeks and Italians love pistachios. And when I was in Italy last September, I had a pistachio latte right by the Duomo oh. Florence that was amazing. I actually bought the pistachio cream because I had to have this. Um, oh, my gosh. I've never heard of such a magical concoction. That sounds so delicious. So delicious. It's, they put the pistachio cream in with the um, coffee when they make the latte, and then they rim it with crushed pistachios. I have a picture of it on my Instagram somewhere. Anyway, so I, I had to have this. So then I said, you know what? I like plain madeleines, but I want to come up with my own recipe. So I came up with my own recipe for pistachio madeleines. And they came mm. out delicious. I had to do a couple tries to get it right so that they weren't too heavy because madeleines should be pretty light, you know. But um yeah, so I wanted my recipes are all either family recipes or ones that I've come up with my, by myself. That's wonderful. And oh, I said, y'all are killing me. Lori wants to know how long uh, the brie stays in the oven. She's. Uh, it sounds like she might have some uh, brie and phyllo on hand. It sounds like Lori might be making this. Uh... <laughs> it depends upon what I, for me, what I have in it, and anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes, so it gets soft. Mm-hmm. You, nice. know, you, you just sort of got to keep an eye on it. It's something I just... Is that at 350? 350 for me. I think we're all going to get fat in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> I have been really... We have been doing a lot of fitness uh, workout little breaks in my household because we want to we wanna prevent that and also just to get some of that excess energy out that we're used to running around doing. Um I go to a bar fitness class right in um, Port Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And, of course, they're closed. So mm-hmm. she was planning to uh, launch an online thing, and now she launched it earlier than she expected to. So we actually got all the like weights and equipment that specifically she uses in her class. So and it's, you know, bar class, too. So it's partially on the floor. It's partially bar. So I ordered a bar. <laughs> <laughs> That, that is so great. And, you know, like a freestanding bar for my yes. If my if my girls were listening now, they probably will get on Amazon and order one. So mm-hmm. that's so funny. I, I'm actually been taking my dance class virtually via Zoom. Um, we are working on choreography for what we hope is still going to be a, a recital. And um, so it's it's great that everybody's kind of raising um, it. And, and Lauren was just saying, I think you're right, Effie. I've been doing a lot of boredom. Uh, boredom eating and yeah. Betty was saying um, Lori was saying her intermittent fasting is failing today and Betty also mentioned um, you were referencing your trip to Italy and she said a few weeks ago I was watching a show about Florence and food it was great to see Florence in the gelato shop but she was oh, starting the gelato at the end of the show shops. everything looked so delicious well, and the other day they had Eat, Pray, Love on one of the networks again, mm-hmm. yeah. and that whole section of Italy just, I <laughs> I just watch it and my mouth waters. I want the pasta. I want the pizza. Uh, Last and night. And the gelato, of course. 
Friday, um, and my and my husband's Catholic, and I'm Greek Orthodox. So my mm-hmm. we're you know talking about the joke of Greek time. We're late to the table and everything, so we're <laughs> later for everyone else. But you know, it was Friday, so um, I made um, no meat, you know, for us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I made cacio pepe. Ah, uh. <laughs> so we had taken a class in Rome, um, a cooking class in Rome. And we didn't make that, but we we went to the market with the chef and we cooked. Um, we off the top of his head, he came up with a menu and we cooked all his food. But then they sent me a whole bunch of traditional um, Roman recipes, and cacio pepe was one of them. So, wow. and my daughter and I are obsessed with it. So last oh. night I made it for dinner. Oh my gosh, that mm. sounds delicious. I may have to ask you to email the recipe that sounds incredible it's so easy i couldn't really it sounds it's but it sounds so intimidating it's not it's a lot a lot of the foods water and cheese that's it and pepper Uh, that's the entire recipe i love it that sounds great so i think i think your podcast turned into a food podcast it looks that way well That's right. Anyone who listened to the hilarity that ensued, and don't oh, you worry, I'm sure there will be more discussion about that. Hashtag Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, since we were talking about food and we we're talking about Italy and Florence, and as you know, we're a podcast devoted yeah. to Sylvain Renard. Mm-hmm. Um, how and when did you discover SR's work? Well, that's um, interesting because. Um, I think I'm trying to remember the timeline because I believe I discovered him probably after the third book of the uh, Gabriel Inferno series came out. So I didn't have to wait like the rest of you who discovered him much earlier. So I think I'm, I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure I didn't have to wait for that third book. Mm-hmm. So I had I had resisted reading. I kept hearing about this book um Fifty Shades, Fifty Shades, Fifty Shades, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I was more of a Nora Roberts reader and Jude Devereaux and Jane Ann Krenz, and you know, I I was yeah. like, I I don't know, I'm not going to read this book about BDSM. I, I that's not something I'm interested in. But then my daughter read it, and I'm like, okay, my daughter's reading this book. I need to read and see what she's thinking. <laughs> right. It's really typical of her, but you know. I guess it was the book that everybody was reading, and I ended up, you know, reading all three and enjoying them. And then um, I used to go to my doctor's office, and the um, nurse there that would always take my, you know, um, blood pressure and everything. We'd always talk about books, and she was obsessed with the vampires and Twilight and everything. And I had read all those books, and we, she would say to me, you know, you know, I think you would really like this series called Gabriel's Inferno and I said oh really what is it about and she goes you know I read a lot of I've never even heard of fan fiction I didn't even know what fan fiction was I didn't know it existed she says it's kind of you know I I read it when it was something called the um, uh, University of Edward Mason right is that what it's called yeah Uh, so she goes but you know then it was like um you know, refined and revised, it came out as, a, as this book. She goes, I really think you'd like it. So I read the first one, and I loved it. I read the second one, and I loved that even more. 
and you know, and I read the third one. The second, I mean, I love all of them. The second one is my mm. fave, though. Oh. The second book. That's that second, second book is oh, un- oh, they're just all unbelievable. Yeah, like, I, I like cannot even tell you yes. how excited I am. They're coming on the screen. On the screen, I, yeah. Because they're just beautiful works of literature, and I'm excited to see it translated onto uh, film. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I it's I love be good. it because I mean I I mean I, I look we all like the smut and all of that, but you know. Um, to me, it has to have a good story. It can't just be, um, you know, yeah. sex, sex for no reason. Um, it's true. Yeah, it, it just it can't be just thrown in there because people just want to get more, you know. Gratuitous. Have, yeah, exactly. There has to be a reason why it's there. Um, and this book, and, you know, not to... Uh, dismiss E.L. James's books, but, uh, you know, the Fifty Shades books, but I don't get the comparison, because I don't think they're even in the same genre genre at all. Um, to me, I think... uh, I mean, her books are definitely erotic um, novels. They're great for what they are. I, I enjoyed them. His books, to me, are literary fiction. It's a completely different genre than me. He writes yeah. poetry. He writes I, He's a I think the comparison actually comes from the fact that it was both started as fan fiction for Twilight. That I guess, makes sense. That yeah, makes I'm sense. I'm a fan fiction reader, so I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get that whole thing. I don't even get the um, compa- I don't even get. I don't even see the see the comparison. I don't even see the reference to it. I mean, I guess it yeah. was. It's like so evolved beyond that that I don't. Yet, I guess. Well, and I think I'm, I'm looking at the chat. Um, Annette agrees. She said she's with you, Effie. I don't really get the connection either. From Karen Kamarinsky's perspective, she feels like it's the theme. It's it's the redemption. Both men are broken, and through love, they're being healed. They're healed. And they evolve, and right. they they both. Um, yeah, and I guess it's the whole thing of them feeling that they're a monster and all of that, and she's the shy awkward broken kind of girl you know mm-hmm. I, I mean i get it you know yeah. but, you know we can all you know uh look at classic works uh, and say that every book comes from some classic work you know right the books are based on darcy and elizabeth's relationship or you know you know what i'm saying you yeah know, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they're fan fiction so, I mean, I know he originally wrote it as fan fiction, but mm-hmm. I don't know him that far back, so it doesn't relate to me that way. Right. All I know is that I read this book that incorporates literature, art, music, history, religion, mm-hmm. faith, uh, moral values, um, and this is what I see, you know. he mm-hmm. The way he puts his words together, I... I you know, I feel like I can weave a nice story. I don't think I could ever achieve the level of his writing if I tried right. in a million years. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I just can't even compare. I mean, yeah. just like and a master. <laughs> well, and I think it's, you know, Betty's saying Anna and Julia are both graduate students, fall in love with an older man who happens to have power and are smart. Both men want to redeem themselves and... But, 
they both screw up by leaving the girl. KK says Julie and Anastasia are both strong women characters. Jean Ann mm -hmm. was just going to say she thinks a lot back to PNP. Monica and referencing Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Monica's referencing Beauty and the Beast. Um, Karen did uh, comment about the original stories being fan fiction. Lauren was saying she actually found SR's books on a What to Read After Fifty Shades of Grey article. Um, honestly, Lauren, I bet we read the same exact article. I, I found that in a doctor's office when I was looking at a magazine, and that's how mm -hmm. I discovered SR. Um, Lauren said she didn't know SR's books were Twilight fan fiction until long after she had read them. And Betty says, but Gabriel's Inferno has Paul. Enough said. Yes, Mrs. Norris. And Annette, I think, has found her kindred spirit in Effie because she says, she's Effie is in my head. That's what made me fall in love with the series. Uh, I, I think a lot of people love that about SR's writing. It's that comprehensive nature and reference to the arts mm -hmm. um, and all of the arts and literature and those themes that he always weaves throughout his stories, throughout the Florentine series and throughout The Man in the Black Suit. Um, he's, so, and he's such an intellectual writer. Yes, um, that's I what I, I like about it. Read the book, or I listen. I read it, and I also listen to them on audio. Every time you read them or listen to them, I feel like you learn something that you might have missed before. Like exactly. Oh, wow. Well, I, I I didn't pick up on that, or maybe it's just resonating with you at the moment because there's so much faith in there, and there's so much thought in there of humanity and um, just. You know the the difference with his books, with the the character of Gabriel and and his evolution into a more human being, I guess, or you know, a more humane being, was that I feel like with the other books that you read, where these men are obsessed with these women, they redeem themselves with the women they love, but not necessarily with everyone else. With mm. Gabriel, he goes out of his way to make amends with everybody in his life, even the women that are no longer really in his life that he feels he needs to apologize to because yeah. he realizes Paulina. he did wrong. You don't see that in the other books. You know, you're right. You're right. Um, I Yeah, again, I and actually, Effie, I appreciate your perspective because that's actually one wrinkle I never formally thought of in that way. I guess inherently you understand that you know he's making himself right with anybody who's he's wronged in, including the wrongs he's committed against himself you know he's making himself right with god you know it's mm -hmm. it's it's such a deep um and moving it's, it's journey something that generally comes up in the other books it's about the woman him being right for the woman not him right being himself not coming mm -hmm. to terms with his relationship with god that he feels you know he needs to because he's done wrong in his life in the past and it's it's also I think him feeling that he needs to be good enough for himself and for her right right and I think that translates to a lot of his other characters too and I'm reading and that says SR writes not only for the heart but he writes for the reader's brain he elicits emotions you normally don't get and Betty had noted that the boss took the romance story to another level um, that uh, 
His novels are sensual and smart. He touches all of your senses. The characters are flawed and they struggle trying to stay on the right path. And Lauren yeah. noted that she agrees with Annette at SR writes for the reader's brain and Tosca makes movies for the readers. So she's thrilled to be seeing this movie. And actually, this is a great point for segueing. Um, I know that Pam and I both know you're a founding member of Passion Flicks, and we were really happy we had a chance to meet you at the Dirty Sexy Saint mm -hmm. premiere in New York City in December. Oh, that, that, Tell that, us. That, that party after party was crazy. <laughs> the after party was nuts. That was uh, fun. It was fun. So, Effie, while you were watching, while you were watching the movie, were you just thinking, "I cannot believe we're going to be seeing Gabriel's Inferno on on the big screen like this"? At some point, even if it's not this particular um, premiere, but we'll have the opportunity to see Julio and Melanie present on our the big beloved screen. characters on the big screen. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> I said, I think they're going to need to have medics on hand. It's going to be overwhelming. I mean, an emotional tour de force. And many, many tissues. Because I know that oh. there are a, a lot of people that are so um, enthrall, enthralled with the characters and in the story that just bringing it all to life is overly emotional. I mean, just seeing it on my TV is going to be just, <laughs> it's just going to take me out. Just the little teasers alone are just, uh, you know, incredible. Um, I think that the casting is absolutely incredible because it's like they pop right out of your imagination as you're reading the book. I just exactly. can't even imagine any other two people playing these roles. No. Uh, I, I agree, Effie. I thought the casting, I mean, to, to a character was perfect. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not I don't throw around that word very lightly I mean just spot on just as I had had envisioned um, and just their sensibility I mean uh, James as Paul I just thought I didn't get was, to meet him oh he uh, was good he yeah, was, was real good and, and Margot as Krista Yes. Well, tell us about tell us a little bit. I know we're over our normal hour, but I mean, we we're lucky to have a special guest this week. And mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about your set visit, because some of our listeners have heard about our antics on set. Mm -hmm. um, and Lauren's <laughs> been on set. <laughs> and Lauren's been yeah. on set as well. And so Diana I think as well. I meant it, it was it was literally the first week. So. You guys were more in the meat of everything. I was more into the beginning of everything. Um, when I went, the sets were being um, built. I mean, uh, Julia's room, uh, her apartment was like bare bones. That was one of the rooms that was almost completely completed, but um, barely. Um, everything else was um, still just framed out. And oh, wow. Yeah, and when we walked the catwalk, you know, I have uh, that I had taken like above the catwalk it was just literally framed out like you would frame out a house and you know it was just wood basically nothing was mm -hmm. painted nothing was built so you know I saw renditions of um, of what things would look like and that was pretty incredible but nothing was built when you guys went I think a lot more had been done and it was amazing when I had even seen a week or two later how quickly they had had um, worked and um, what they had accomplished. 
I, you know, I was a theater major. I went to Hofstra for theater. And when, when we, um, when in the theater department, whether you were performance major or a um, crew major, you had to do everything. So I had to take set design and set construction, and I actually had to work those table saws, and I had to do mm-hmm, the lighting, mm-hmm. and I had to, I mean, we had to do everything. So I was like fascinated because I talked to everybody. I talked to the crew. I talked to the construction people. I talked to the people. You know, I was like the cat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing on set, I have to say. I loved learning about it. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I didn't just want to talk to the, you know, to the actors because, I mean, I liked the whole the whole experience because it's what I did when I went to school 150 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so it was, you know, very early on. And they were actually using the front of the um, soundstage building uh, as the airport and um, that was oh, wow. scene. yeah they and it was amazing because there was a, a the airport the actual um, airport uh, Syracuse airport wasn't that far away and there was planes going overhead so it, <laughs> it, it was pretty realistic but they were using the front of that building as the airport entrance and that was the scene that we were first filming when I got there um, and that was uh, just Melanie and um, Julio, mm-hmm. and um, we were outside, and it was cold, and I hate the cold, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> we were out there for about 45 minutes. They filmed the same scene about the same 10-second sequence probably 30 times, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. used to seeing anyway. I, you know, it's fully expected. You're taking it from different angles and everything. And then um, when we came in, we still had our coats on and everything. And Julie got Julio introduced himself, and she introduced herself, Melanie, and she was lovely. And then he says, "Let's take take some pictures." And then he like put his arm around me and grabbed the other girls, and we took pictures. And I just kind of there's a picture of me looking up at him and him looking down at me because. And everybody's like, oh, look at the way he's looking at you. I'm like, I was making a joke that I was half his size. It wasn't like he was looking at me. Like, he's like, oh, you know, happy, you know. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like half your size. He's six foot four or whatever he is, and I'm five foot one, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But your he, pictures were priceless. They were, they were great. <laughs> on, um, on the founding members lounge. I yeah. mean, I just loved. Like you're up to his belly. <laughs> That's what I was saying to him. I was joking around, but he was fun and he was sweet and he was very, you know, uh, very nice. And then we went into um, the scene where Julia's in the hospital after she gets bit by Simon. Oh, okay. wow. Now they used literally a closet for that in the soundstage. So they set it up like a hospital room. And mm-hmm. we couldn't go in there because it was such a tight space. So we watched that on the monitor. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering if that's where they shot the Carol scene that we saw. I, it sounds probably size I think mm-hmm. we were in different buildings because the soundstage uh, is was not the uh, building we were in, Leslie. That was an old library oh, that's the building. Other one, that's great. That's great. That's the great. That was the other. Where they built the sets for his yeah. apartment. And... Right. That's right. You're yeah. correct. I forgot. I forgot they had the you other. Didn't go the there. Other... 
Sound Stage. No, we no, didn't we were, go there. We were at a building in Syracuse, in, in oh, town. Because you, you did the um, uh, seminar. Yeah. Yeah, we were there for the seminar, and they had the set, had the setup for Italian Studies, <laughs> Department of Italian Studies. Right. See, yeah. that, to me, that would have been a lot of fun. Oh, it was, it really was. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm seeing there's a lot of people who've had some different theater background. Monica noted that her parents um, had been involved, too, and she also did sets and soundstage. Lauren has um, enjoyed the process because she occasionally works as a background actor, and it's fascinating to see all the moving parts mm -hmm. and all the people required to do it. Um, Lori's going to check for the pictures. Effie, um, or uh, Betty, <laughs> made me laugh because she said, She's asking you if you actually um, heard angels singing when you saw Julio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very strange because I'm going to say this: when you see um, when you see him in these smoldering pictures where he's this sexy guy, and you're like, "Oh my god," you know, <laughs> you want to drool over him, and you're like, "He's the most gorgeous man you've ever seen in your life," and you see mm -hmm. these pictures. And then you meet the real person, and I'm 63 years old, and he's 34, and my daughter is 33, and my other <laughs> daughter is 29, and he could be one of the kids that comes to my house to hang out. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a completely different, he's young, and he's goofy, and he's funny, and he was, I didn't relate to him in the same way that I would relate to this handsome smoldering you know guy mm -hmm. this image he's an mm -hmm. image on a picture as opposed to a real human being that you meet I wasn't intimidated I wasn't drooling I wasn't it was like a two completely separate people like you know it's hard to explain but um we chatted um we um the scene that I got to be an extra in was the scene in the um hospital waiting room where he yells at Tom about what a lousy father he is. Oh, wow. Wow. And it was actually a fun scene to be in because, first of all, his voice coach was sitting right across from me, and he was, the two of them were going back and forth a lot because there was one line that he just couldn't get right. So he, the voice coach would be saying to him, no, you've got to say it like this so that, you know, you that your little accent doesn't come out and then Tosca would stop him and say but I just want a little more anger from you so we he must have said these few lines about 50 times and it was so funny because every time Tosca would say um, I want a little more anger from you he goes I'll give you anger and then he'd start rattling off 50 Italian curses <laughs> <laughs> all back up it was so I funny. love it Oh, that was hysterical. Everybody would just start laughing. It was just so funny. So mm -hmm. then at one point, he was sitting across from me and his voice coach. And then, uh, you know, we were going through like vowels and we were talking. And I was talking to his voice coach because his voice coach is a Syracuse theater professor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To him. Tom. He, was, he was lovely. His name's Tom. Um, I'm blanking on his last name, but he. Um, he gave us actually restaurant recommendations. He was really a great. Um, he was really nice. I was chatting helpful. with him, and then I was chatting with when we were taking a little break. I was chatting with Julio. We were sitting across from each other, and then we were talking about like uh, 
you know, certain placement of the tongue when you're saying certain things. And I said, I, I get it because, you know, like uh, when you speak Greek, it's a little different. Like some people have a hard time because, oh, he goes, you're Greek with the same people, he said, which, you know, the Greeks <laughs> say, una faccia, una whatever. What is that? Una faccia, una, I forgot what that is. Well, There's a phrase. I, I forgot. I don't know what's going out of my head. I know that it's like a common thing that the Italians and the Greeks say. Anyway, so um, then he started, we started this funny thing where we were competing about who had the longest name because my name is, so I said, my name's longer than yours. But then he told me he has like 15 middle names and he started rattling off. I'm like, oh, God, you win. I, yeah, I so he was just very cute and funny and he was goofy and he was just like, to me, he was just like this kid that would have been one of my kid's friends. Yeah. It was, you know, it wasn't like this guy that I was like, you know, over, well, you know, and and that was for me too, Effie, because I'm I I'm 65, and I just kept imagining my son, mm-hmm. and his <laughs> friends. Yeah, exactly. And and I was like, you know, and a couple people that we were with were like, oh come on, he's gorgeous. You know he is. You know yes. you would do him. Um, and I'm like. <laughs> No, I can't. You know what? It's diff- like I said. Isn't it different, Pam, when you see him in the pictures, like in those pictures with the eyes and the look and the? It's yeah. Like you can equate him to the same person that you met. Right. You know, if well, I'm just my kid and I'm laughing because and different. that's saying he's still in my age range. <laughs> <laughs> you go, girl. She said, just saying. If anyone wants to give me that as a gift. <laughs> oh, Annette, I just enjoy you so much. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, but I, I, I know on our set visit when he, they, they finished for the night, he came out and he starts giving everybody a hugs, and I was the first one to get a hug. <laughs> yes, you were. And it yes, was nice. Well, Monica was said that he's her brother's age. Oh, yes, it, yeah. He was sweet because at the end of the night when I had to catch a plane. Now, if I had known it would go so late, I probably would have stayed an extra night and I would I would I would have stayed till all hours of the night, but mm-hmm. I had to catch a plane at 9:30 at night. So, I didn't want to bother um, you know, uh, we were finished with that scene. Um, mm-hmm. but the, he was still kind of on set and he was getting some direction. And um, I didn't want to bother him, but I didn't want to like I didn't want to like not say goodbye to anybody. So I just kind of waved, and he jumped over the like wires from the cameras and the lighting, and he came over and he gave me like a you know the typical European two cheek yeah kiss. kiss on each cheek yeah and said it was nice to meet me. So he was very very sweet, which he didn't really have to do, you know. Yeah, no. was very nice. He was just very yeah, I think nice person. I, I think that's what impressed us the group that was on set um and we were so fortunate we got to see you know the the four principals um at work so we had a chance to see james and we had a chance Mm -hmm. to see margo and and we talked to all of them james margo melanie and julio and we were there uh the day after they were doing the filming in the rain and so they had had a really late night prior 
night they even pushed back our call time till till one till, i think was it one o'clock 12 30 there at noon yeah and um so they were so gracious even after that exhausting day of production um and they were all so kind and mm -hmm. committed to the project um i've said this on the podcast before i am so thankful and so blown away by especially Julio's dedication to and his work ethic in getting this character mm -hmm. um, and per performing it to the nth degree. Um, I just, I, they all, to a, to a T, you could tell they had passion for the story. And I know that's what Tasca, you know, I credit Tasca for all of this um, in terms of her being committed to the story and to translating these books into film it, it mm -hmm. just was phenomenal um the environment she's created on that set um was fantastic she was lovely too yeah. I, I you know i didn't mention melanie but she was absolutely this one of the sweetest young women that i've, I've ever met very very um down to earth very sweet but tasca also very very um nice she came over she sat with us had lunch Mm -hmm. chatted with us about future plans uh you know what she her expectations were she was just really really uh lovely you know this is the powerhouse behind this entire streaming channel you know right. and yeah directing uh, everything and she's the ceo and yeah you know, comes from the, like the most one of the most um successful families it's just it's, it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I, and and I'm, I'm looking, Lauren said she's joking that Tosca must have threatened the cast and crew to be nice to founding members because they all treated us like royalty. <laughs> I know. I also, I always wondered, um, but I don't think it was forced. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, I get it. I mean, I've, I've been in positions. I do, I'm in communications. So I've done a lot of these kind of public facing. Um, I've dealt a lot with, um, very high-powered executives and political um, figures and you know so I, I get you know sometimes people have to be nice and they have to treat people nicely even if they're just tired and they want to go home but mm -hmm. there was more it was much gen is there was a lot more um, genuine um, excitement and they were very genuine people they were know? absolutely Everybody was great. Everyone mm -hmm. in the cast and crew um, were lovely. Um, I spoke to, uh, I don't remember his name. I, I'm, I'm absolutely ter terrible. Dennis? Me, but, uh, the one who plays, oh, Dennis was sweet. But uh, yeah. he reminds me of somebody. I can't think of who. But um, no, the, the actor who's playing Richard. Oh, Malachi. Pam's <laughs> okay. Malachi. Very familiar to me. And I chatted with him quite a bit. And uh, when we, when I was talking to him about, you know, when I went to Hofstra, he said that he knew a lot of people who had gone, actors who had gone there too. And one of the actors that, um, uh, one of the girls that I went to college with, she's actually gotten, she was quite successful and has been in a lot of things. And he actually knew her and had been in some things with her. So we chatted a little bit about that too. Um, the two people that I never actually got to speak to was Julia Barrett Mitchell and Rachel. I don't know the, yeah you know she's Rachel and um uh, what, what's her boyfriend's name in the, the oh, oh the uh, Joey Stromberg or 
What? Who? Who? Who's Jule, uh, Who's um Rachel's fiance? Well, Aaron, Aaron's the character. Um, the character. So I never got to speak to them, but then when I went to Dirty Sexy Saint, I saw her there, and I, I, I said, you know what? I don't. She's not going to remember me. This was like over what a month or two ago. What? But right. I went up to her and I said, "Hi." I said, "You probably don't remember me, but I just wanted to say hello." She goes, "Oh yeah, I remember you. You were in the hospital waiting room scene." I'm like, I can't even believe. That she wow. that was the mm-hmm. first week of taping, and yep. never even got to speak to her because she and Aaron were making an entrance into the middle of their fight, and they didn't even have any lines. And it was like towards the end of the scene, and they were coming in from a different angle from where I was sitting, so I never actually got to speak to them. Yet she remembered me; she knew exactly, mm-hmm. who, and I, which I thought was just incredible. So it really is, and, and as Lauren said. Um, this, they definitely aren't forced. I mean, she said they are all truly lovely human beings. Lori was happy. Uh, it just makes her so happy for SR that everything is perfection. And Jean Ann mm-hmm. noted that Tosca runs a first-class operation. Um, that she read, and he had a few offers, but he chose Passion Flux because he knew that they would stick to the script. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I've heard that. My my sister once said to me a long time ago that she would never ever go see a movie off of a book I read with me ever again because I, I I'm, I'm like a lunatic because if they go <laughs> if they go off script or if they change it I remember once they had done a mini series years ago back in the eighties and they changed like they they took two characters put them together and had four characters instead of five and then changed the ending of what happened which kind of changed the entire point of the movie mm-hmm. I was so infuriated my sister goes I'm never watching another movie with you <laughs> that you read because I really don't want to hear this anymore <laughs> you know it's true though and I think that's why um, I mean Tosca takes great care Tosca and her team I mean she has a great team Allie she does. on PR and Lauren Lauren's been there for a while with her. Um, they really are just a really dedicated group um, to tr- be as true to the stories as possible. Now, and, and there's sometimes they're going to have to not include every single scene of every single page of the book. And, and that's understandable. But I really feel like um, uh, they've been true. And, and one thing that I've done that a lot of the listeners know is I will not, I, I am not watching a passion flicks film until I read the book. So, um, again, I just finished a brother's honor and I watched it last night mm-hmm. and I was, mm-hmm. again, I'm just so impressed with the passion flicks process and how they really, really capture the essence of every story. I mean, it's, um, I, I, and I am a huge fan now of Brenda Jackson um, I bought all of the books in the Grandeur series. There are four of them. Mm-hmm. I downloaded them all because um, I found a gift card uh, that I had <laughs> tucked away in my drawer. And I literally, because I, I want to learn about all, for those of you who've seen, you know, there are three brothers, and I want to read each of their stories. And then mm-hmm. the fourth book mm-hmm. is a story about their father. So um, I'm well into the second book. And. Um, What's one of the things I love about Passion Flicks? I mean, I'm learning, I'm meeting new uh, authors 
from That's how I read the Driven series. Now, people have been telling me, uh, like I have some friends that I, I'm on chats with on Goodreads, and they've been telling me, you would love the Driven series. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm not into race car driving. I don't know if I would like that. So I've been putting it off, putting it off. Then once I heard Passion Flicks was doing it, I'm like, okay, I have to read this book because people have been telling me that I have to read this. I would love this series. And now they're coming out with the movie. So well, before the movie came out, I read Driven, and I ended up reading the entire series, absolutely loving it. And I'm like, why did it take me so long to read this? I love this series. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. Same, the very same thing. I, yeah. I would not have read Driven without Passion Flicks. I would not have read The Will, and I, 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 oh, I love no, it. I'm obsessed with the, I've been watching and watching, I love the story, I love Chris mm-hmm. McCann, I've watched it last obsessed. night, did you? Yeah, that, that I also yeah. read before, I, I wanted, I, see, if I see a movie, I won't go back and read the book, but it, I have to read the book first, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll, you know, see the movie. Um, I still have a couple I need to read, uh, I still haven't seen um, Hollywood Dirt, which was one of their first productions. I haven't seen um, Matchmaker's Playbook. And I, I forget there was one. another big one that I haven't seen yet. Um, watch, uh, did you watch The Protector? That was really yes. good. Yes. I, I like actually, that one I, I'm a Jodie Allen Malthus fan, so I actually read the book uh, apart from them. Uh, I was happy when they optioned it because I really... Um, I love her writing, and I'm very excited about the This Man series. Yes, Monica, I want Jesse Ward. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I cannot wait to see. I, I, you know, I cannot wait to see how they cast that role because that is quite the character. Um, and I'm super excited about Emma Chase um, and I Tangled. Love Chase's books. She and... was one of the first people I read um, after Fifty. Shades. I read Fifty Shades. I read Gabriel. I read Crossfire, and I read. Um, I remember that Christmas. I asked for these books, and I read Tangled. I read. Um, I, I got hooked on Emma Chase and her writing as well. Her Royally series is also just great, and I love the um, brief. Is it the law brief? I forget what they call it. The one with the. It, it just goes beyond uh, Tangled and the, the subsequent books with their their group of friends who are lawyers. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and the screenwriter oh, for to, for uh, Gabriel's books. Inferno also did Tangled. That's great. Mary, yeah. Oh, she wrote the uh, script? Yeah, she did Tangled. Um, I'm not sure what, I think she's working on redemp- or Redemption right now. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I know that SR mentioned that he hasn't, had not seen it yet. This was like couple weeks ago so it's very possible he has it but so yeah product, I'm assuming production for the second the second uh, the second movie for Rapture is going to be halted now for a while I know they started part of it but mm-hmm. I'm assuming like all movie productions have been stopped on yeah. uh, well, the board Lauren last week had a zoom call with uh, a bunch and James um, Andrew Frazier was part of it. He and he's, you know, he's Paul, and he said that all the Italy portions of Rapture are done, and they still have to do the farm scenes for him. And that, that's 
he'll be going back to Syracuse for that. That's so that was, great. yeah. Yep, we'll just have to wait and see what the timing holds. Um, Lauren mentioned uh, that uh, she believes the podcast interview with Emma Chase will be out on Monday, which will be great. Mm-hmm. And Monica's saying she read Crossfire and Beautiful Bastard, Tangled right after Gabriel won. She wants to see on the screen a little more rom-com. Uh, <laughs> wall banger. Alice Clayton series, <laughs> that cocktail series. I laughed so hard. And I know earlier in the chat room, uh, there are some uh, folks who are also reading Roman Crazy, the combo. Uh, mm-hmm. With Alice Clayton, Alice Clayton and Nina, Nina Bonchi. I could totally see see uh julio rocking marcello personally oh yeah oh yeah i think he could he could do a great job with that um and yeah lauren was noting that james is so excited for everyone to see paul out in the farm Mm -hmm. um i think they're all gonna be a lot of fun yeah he even he even mentioned last week that he's got um friends who have a dairy farm in manitoba and he was going to try to visit with them for a bit so he could get a little bit of an idea what being on a dairy farm is like. <laughs> I think uh-huh. it's great. I, I said you're a method actor. I see. Yeah, well, I'm, so. I'm, uh, I'm with you. I, I really, uh, you know, in terms of when I was younger, I seriously thought about pursuing a career in acting and going to the to school for for theater um i i shifted and i figured i would do that as an avocation instead um so i have a great passion for for theater and film and uh, i absolutely just love having the opportunity to be on set um I've, I've, I've been an extra before as well, like Lauren uh, does work. Uh, I've only done it once, but I'd like to do some more. Um, and I've been on commercial shoots and that type of thing for work, but it was mm-hmm. just very special that they had that opportunity um, for founding members. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that is a good difficult thing. to find a cow in the city. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, hey, where I live, where I grew up, (laughs) I'm in a suburb of Philadelphia and not I'm literally five miles from the city line where I grew up. And uh, my friend Ann McCoy, her uh, mother and father moved to this little enclave in a, a little area called Wynwood. And they lived in in the farmhouse they had 80 chickens and five cows i don't know if there was a bull among them but you know you you look at the area and you don't think you don't believe that there's cows and chickens in this area so uh, you know you never know they're not that far away Well, you are in Texas, Lori. You are in the land of cows. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, so. I love it. And I just, this has been such a treat. Um, I, I hate to wrap it up, but I know we, we are at 20 till 11. Yeah, way over. <laughs> it's been worth it, though. This has been a special treat yeah. having FB on. so much fun. I'm so glad so many t- people tuned in. I'm, I actually have a second computer on so I can see who's, who's tuned in and making comments. Yes, and we have uh, <laughs> other listeners as well who decide not to chat yes. but just decide to listen live. And then, of Which course, is great. as you Thank all you. know, you can always listen. And I know a lot of our international um, folks will sometimes listen in, um, or folks on the West Coast who don't want to wake up quite as early as our 6 a.m. Uh, their time <laughs> um, to download and listen to podcasts anytime. It's, it's on several platforms, uh, including well, iTunes. I and here. And... Uh, Thank you for you know speaking about my book. I'm always happy to speak about <laughs> Sylvain Renard's books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're always happy to talk about Sylvain Renard's books because yes, um, there's but so it's always novel. nice to have other authors come on too, yeah. so that we can appreciate their works as well. Yes, and and I'm everybody's saying wonderful things about having you on. Um, that uh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much from Lori. Uh, Effie, thank mm-hmm. you for coming on today from Jean Ann. Um, Lauren said she has your book on her Kindle and she's excited to read. Um, it re- honestly, everybody, it is, it is such, it is so delightful. Um, I actually think this would be great, although your, your other series, which I still need to read, by the way, um, the saga i i think either one would be a great thing coming to screen on passion flicks i i would love to see them do uh-huh. <laughs> that's a your mouth to god's ears i think i'm gonna recommend there's enough sex for passion flicks in it i have some tv scenes in there but not to the same level that she puts in her although i guess he could spice well she has the different range yeah she has the different range and it doesn't Mm -hmm. they don't all have to be they'd be somewhere in the middle of the bun i think yes i think they'd be in the middle of the bun yeah Mm -hmm. definitely come on more so the second and third books the first one maybe well i guess maybe it depends Mm -hmm. and this one too would be so sweet i mean i could totally see her doing um I could totally see her doing Love is What You Bake of It because I think that mm-hmm. would just be so sweet and I'd love to see that scene with Max walking in with the license plate and Yeah, you know, I think the characters are <laughs> so fun about like the movies and everything and I, I just want to make one point about like, Gabriel's movies and I'm just so happy they're not shoving this into a two hour movie oh my gosh I know yeah um, this is I think what the beef is when they make movies for like you know regular movie theaters and they adapt it from a book and you know they they have a constraint of the two hours so that's why they have to change things and um, you know there's only so much you can do in two hours so the fact which is why I like people have asked me do you want your books to be movies I said I'd prefer them to be miniseries because yeah. I don't really mm-hmm. want anything taken out everything that's there is there for a reason and mm-hmm. I don't really feel you can develop stories or characters in that two hour time constraint and if they did that with Gabriel's Inferno I think we'd have an awful lot of disappointed 
viewers and you know readers that have read the books and felt like too much would be missing. So I'm just so happy uh -huh. that you know they're taking the time and doing this. And I think it's going to be almost six hours, from what I understand. I'm so thrilled. yeah. I, I think she I said it was five and three quarters. Five, five and four, four, 41 minutes or something. Five hours, forty-one minutes. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know, in, said, it's, if Lord it's, of the Rings is divided into multiple parts, why can't romance novels be treated the same? I yeah. know, Betty. Because but you know, it's so true because the respect they deserve. That is why. Well, don't you remember? The I know that the eighties. They were the best. I love them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were. Oh yeah. There was there was one um, rich man, poor man. I remember really well. And another one, I think by Taylor Caldwell about an Irish family an Irish guy from Armagh My favorite came to this was, country uh, was um, uh, Miss Stroll's daughter oh yeah yes I, that was good that was done beautifully yeah so many good but, ones Everybody you know but it's saying, funny because I spend so many hours with our favorite characters cough cough paw <laughs> And Monica says she's editing and adding more to the, more to the series. So she said it's supposed to be almost six hours, which is great. More mm -hmm. Gabriel, more happy. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, I remember Erica E.L. James talking about the uh, in the first movie, Fifty Shades. There was an issue uh, with the screenwriter that she had at the time, as as well as the director. But it, you know, they wanted to change things so drastically, and she's like, "No, absolutely not." And I believe she got her husband involved to as the script doctor for the first one, and I know he wrote the screenplays for the second and third movie. Yeah. Well, right, and you want to have more of the control, um, and that's why yeah. Passion Flicks is such a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, business model. And I actually you think know. second and third movies were better. Yeah, the, they uh, were. Fifty Shades movies. Yeah. But, they you know, I even I, I saw Deb Harkness a while ago. She was doing a book signing in Philadelphia, and I went to it. And she was talking about how when they made it a discovery of witches that they decided to make it into a series as opposed to one. But she said even with that, there were things that were combined because you couldn't, you know, like things that go on in, in your mind right. that you read in this in a story, mm -hmm. you really can't put that on screen and you and it has to be a multi-dimensional. Right. in the character you can't, you can't put somebody's internal thoughts into a script really right it, you know like the inner goddess never made it into any of the 50 shades yeah that's okay yeah, the, yeah. Well, and I, I don't know whether snarky will be in this or not i'm 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 hoping he he appears somewhere <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So. I don't know. Did I anybody ask about Snarky? Has anybody asked about Snarky on the script? I'm putting it out to the chat room. I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. What? I personally don't know if we're going to be able to work Snarky in. Um, 
Well, you know what? I'm and connected I'm okay to both that. Mary, okay that, the screenplay, and yeah, sorry, and I'll just put something out. Is Snarky figuring into the screenplay at all? <laughs> <laughs> Betty says um, she would miss Julia's prayers. I hope they make Julia pray out loud. It is possible that those, that could see, have been incorporated. Those, those I could see being mm -hmm. worked in, like her, like almost muttering under her breath. Right. Right. That's, That's what I see. But the inner goddess thing was an internal um, monologue, whereas yeah. right. Julia's, I could see being like uh, almost her, like muttering to herself. You yeah, know, like, oh, oh, gods of all graduate students. It, it, it was yeah. done a little differently. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that mm -hmm. could actually be cute and a little bit of comic relief almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Lauren says, um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, Betty, Lauren had noted that Betty uh, Passion Flick needs to add a feature where you can just skip to the scene for your favorite character, Paul. <laughs> and, and, and Betty also noted that Paul needs his own novel, which we know you've been lobbying for. Uh, Betty says Snarky's probably going to be busy flirting on the set of Lobby. <laughs> That's true. And Jean Ann thought the inner goddess didn't add too much to the story um, in order to help it progress. That's true. Um, That's true. And, and, why and they cut Dr. Flynn because he, he didn't completely he, move the story as much. Although I think Dr. Flynn, I, I guess because they referenced him more instead of having him. He was actually, I think they actually. Um, cast him and it was um, Claire Danes' husband um, um, I forget I his name off the top of my head the character. yeah well even in even in the movie where they're after they get engaged and they're watching the fireworks mm -hmm. there's a yeah. quick shot of him that's right I so, but anyway film him. Jean Ann said they actually did film him um, yeah he just didn't uh, they didn't make it. He ended up on the, the final edit, cutting room the floor. Final cut. Yes. Like Kevin so. Costner in The Big Chill. It's funny you guys talking about Paul. I was on an author author chat last week, and um, it came up, and somebody said that they hate they hate Paul. <laughs> yes, yes, I was there, and I was like, how could you hate Paul? I yes, think he's. One of and and honestly, James is just—he's—he's he's no, just a wonderful. The they just hate the character. They said they mm. can't they couldn't stand the fact that he kept calling her rabbit, and was like, "What the heck was that? If some guy called me rabbit, I would be so insulted <laughs> and I would hate it." <laughs> and she just couldn't mm -hmm. get past the whole rabbit thing, and she just didn't like. All him. right. I get, okay, that's fair. Everybody has different opinions. That's great. I know. It's like, say what? I don't know. She's like, not everybody is as enamored of Paul as one Betty. Yeah. Different strokes. Everybody's got their type that they like. Right, yes. and Jean Ann Jean said Nancy it was Hugh Dancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Doctor Flynn. So. <laughs> That's right. Lauren Olson from Passion Flicks also said 
she hates Paul. That you know what I think I saw Lauren's comment on that. Um, that could have so, been. Yes, I, that's who I think I was. I, I think, I yes, I think mm -hmm. it was Lauren, but somebody else was talking. It wasn't Lauren that was talking about the whole rabbit thing. It was someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh. he said if a guy called me uh, rabbit and he was as handsome as Paul, I would even tattoo it. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, you make me laugh so hard. Your love of Paul is just precious. Is boundless. <laughs> it is great. Oh, I love anyway. so much fun. Uh, this is <laughs> the laughs just never stop. I felt sorry yeah. for him. Yeah. Oh. I, for Paul? I agree. Yeah. I can't wait. Unrequited love. Oh. Is it the third book when he tells he he says to um, Gabriel he and he keeps talking about his girl and his girl he finds the girl and he and then his girl goes for this guy and yeah. and meanwhile he's married already to Julianne he's talking to Gabriel and I'm like oh my god he's gonna punch him something I know I was waiting <laughs> I was waiting for the fight um, I can't wait to see that play out <laughs> oh that's gonna be a great scene. Yeah, he has, um, Paul had even, or Paul, James had even said that uh, some of the scenes with Paul coming up in the next, the next uh, book are going to be really, really good. He's excited about doing that. Yeah. So he, he has a lot more juicy stuff to tackle. To come up with. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, those two are going to come to blows, definitely, practically. They're like nose, I could see them coming nose to nose, like both of them yep. trying to control themselves from throwing a blow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But they also know they have to behave because of Julia. That's the fun thing. Like, they're, they're going to be the bad, they're going to be the bigger man, you know, <laughs> by mm -hmm. not, uh, not getting, uh, going for fisticuffs. Um, so Monica had yeah. said, her thought, her thought about Paul was he really made Julia get into trouble, so she was like, uh, here he comes. And then the rabbit lover <laughs> makes her mm -hmm. head. And Betty said, it wasn't Paul who made her write the note on his note. That was his fault. Paul defended Julia That's right. and protected her and stood by her side while Gabriel and Krista were adding fuel to the fire. You defend your <laughs> beloved Betty. You go for it, girl. I love oh, it. Oh, go for it, Betty. Who was at the, um, so. somebody I know was, that I spoke to was at the um, Starbucks scene where um, we were. Gabe were you yeah, there? we were. Yes, we were extras. We were extras in the coffee shop. We were extras. Cool. When, yes. when, uh, it is not a Starbucks, though, in the film. I don't think they could have, they worked out the licensing for that. They don't use Starbucks, right? No, no, no. they don't use the name. I, I think that would have been too much of a price tag that Tosca wasn't willing to. I haven't asked her. I mean, that would be another interesting thing to ask. But I think it was probably a uh, licensing you know issue and stuff that. like that. With these companies, I know that it's a, um, you know, it's an advertising. I would think it would be good advertising for them, free advertising. You think mm -hmm. they'd want to be used in? Yeah, yeah product well, placement. Pro yeah, but product usually the company, the company pays for them to place it. Um, yeah. I think there just have been too much red tape. Dahlia joined us. Hello, Dahlia. We are. Hi, Dahlia. We are wrapping up shortly, but you will want to you will want to listen to the. Um, broadcast this has been a really really interesting wonderful podcast with our special guest effie kamenu 
Um, Effie wrote her recent book, Love is What You Bake of It, uh, and it's quite delightful, and she's also, we've been talking about, she's a founding member of Passion Quick, so we were talking about her experience on set as well, and uh, all things SR. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of fun. The movie and what we expect, yes. and I can't wait. My daughter keeps saying... When is it going to come out? I want to watch it now. We're all sitting in this house for a month. I think it's day 25 here in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Alexa's like, why can't the movie be out now? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Like we're, they're only releasing, what, the first part? How, how long do we have to wait in between? I know. It'll be worth it, though. Uh, Pam, do you have the countdown? Do you, do you have the official... Uh... Of course I do. I, I'd say I uh, had it yesterday at 47. Or 48, I'm sorry. Uh, so let me uh, look here. All right. We yes. go here and yes, here. Effie, Pam has a... Um, the a official countdown, countdown to the, the official... seconds. Countdown for the Passion Flicks. Uh, cool. <laughs> Forty-seven days, Inferno. thirteen hours, one minute, and forty seconds. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> the sites gonna crash the minute that that movie comes up. I, I am be very concerned about that. For even for Passion Flicks. I am too. Play, be no, I understand from SR. That there is going to be merchandise connected with Gabriel's Inferno. I would imagine. Oh, yes. I'm very excited I would to see hope what so. they come up with. And as Betty says, the wait will be well worth it. There's going to be oh, a bunch of images. Oh, my gosh. Those images. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be overwhelming emotionally, I have a feeling. In the best possible way. Yeah. True. <laughs> so we'll Dolly all be on if we'll all be online watching it and, and texting each other. <laughs> so anyway, we are well over now. We're almost at two hours. <laughs> so time is flying. I mean, I I know we're all stuck in the house. Stuck in nothing to do. and um, Dolly just so you know um, we did have a technical snafu um, probably about 45 minutes in would you say yeah somewhere in there Um, and uh, we were down for a little bit so if you're listening just know obviously we come back Um, yeah when uh, when, when I I actually stopped recording platform um uh, crapped out on us. So Pam the Wonder Tech was uh, able to uh, persevere, and uh, we we worked through it. And I think we got it better. Got whatever they needed to do fixed. So very anyway, excited. So any- Betty says this quarantine's going longer than expected, so we might as well have something to look forward to in the next few months. And we do absolutely. We have passion flicks films. We have Gabriel's Inferno coming out. We have great books like <laughs> Effie's latest. Uh, Love is what you bake of it. Uh, I highly recommend uh, checking that out. Nina Bachi's book's coming out at the end of the month as well. 
Um, so lots mm -hmm. of really wonderful things to, to read and watch and listen to. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So Maria, I'm, I'm to write the next one too. I think so <laughs> in your series, right? You're having a series. Um, that, that yeah. was actually one of my questions I had. What, what are your next writing projects? As yeah. we wrap things up, yeah. this is um, so I've been working on the second book. Um, promoting this mm -hmm. one has taken more time than I. I keep saying to my publicist, I'd like to get a chance to write another chapter. She keeps giving <laughs> me more and more projects to work, you know, like uh, promoting projects to work on. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm working on, um, you know, the second book now, and that's going to be about the sister, um, one of the other sisters in the story. That book will take uh, place mostly in New York City because that's where she works. And it, I'll go back mm -hmm. to Fort Jeff too. And um, that will also go to Athens at some point to continue the grandfather's story and find out more information about what happened to that grandfather because that's the one question mm -hmm. everybody wants to know. That they, oh, yes. That continues and find out what the mystery is behind the grandfather and why he disappeared. So that's I can't wait. I can't wait for it That's to come gonna out. That's going to be good. As I say to Jennifer Locklear with her wonderful series, um, Constellation. Constellation. With Constellation and Chaos, I cannot wait for the third book to come out fast enough. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to your next uh, your next book in this wonderful series. And thanks again, Effie, yeah. for joining us it's on this fun. Saturday. Yes, thank you so much. This is my first podcast, so... We're happy. We're glad you're. We're your so friends. now you've now, now you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. As Gabriel would say, I'm glad you're. Yes. You're glad you're your first. our first. We're your first. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, and thanks to everybody who joined in for this chat. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And hopefully on set in the future. Oh, definitely. We yes. We have to do that again, sure. Yes. And maybe right. a premiere. And Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed at some point. I hope. What a shame, yes. right? No premiere for this one, but well, we'll virtually have a virtual one. We'll have some party That's at some true. point. Or we'll have That's our true. own party, right, ladies? We'll make it twice. Yes, we'll do a Zoom party. Yeah, right. Was, uh, it was lovely. As Betty says, it was lovely hearing your voice, Effie. Everyone in the chat room is thanking uh, you for joining us today. Um, and it's just really wonderful to have so many great um, members of this SR family. Um, very thankful for all of you for joining us. Absolutely. Greatest group of people. Nicest, nicest group of people on the Fox Den. Absolutely. That's what the actors said also. Yeah, James Aww. mentioned it last week. I know Melanie has mentioned it. Margo's mentioned it. Um, I We're think Havland has as well. Yes, they're they're just. So. Um, it's it's SR's writing has grown such a beautiful community around it, and I'm very thankful to be part of it. I really it's, am, I, and I I'm yeah. so glad all of you could join us this weekend. Um, it's it's so much fun to talk about these wonderful stories that we love so much and to learn yes. more about all of you as well so thanks again for joining us and, and Pam thank you so I am going to take you out with a little Miles <laughs> Davis and it's Nicholas so what would approve. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Have a good week, everyone. Yes, for those who celebrate, happy Easter. Um, for the Orthodox and the crew, I know you're getting into Palm Sunday. I know we just had Passover, and just everyone stay safe. Um, and and uh, be well. For you. Feel free to reach Wash out. Wash hands, anytime. elbow yeah. bumps, wear masks, and have and a good well. week. We'll talk to you soon.